0: Okay, now we're ready to go, so uh, I'm not going to do, go ahead, ushers, pass your things in if you're, if you're interested in being baptized, and ushers, pick them up on the way back, thank you. Okay, Will Lee's uh, favored son of this congregation of the Lord, Will Lee's be, being on the mission steering team, being the head of the college and career group, being the head or the speaker and, the, and that kind of stuff, being on a whole lot of things at this church for a whole lot of years doing all kinds of stuff has been so transformed in his life that he actually started going to school. And I know I'm stealing just a little part, but you can just delete this part, okay? Because I just want to say something. Will has preached here before, and Will has preached here before because I wanted him to, because I felt like he had something to say, and he did an excellent job. He has now been going to Northwest uh, University in their Bible program. I was blown away. I mean, I just couldn't, it was a little embarrassing for him. He was silent because I was so effusive about, I, you know, I mean, you were good before. But, I mean, what the Lord is bringing to you, the depth and everything else. I mean, just the revelation. There was literally three times during his sermon run-through that I went, I wrote down something like, man, I wish I'd have thought of that. You know, I was like, that is just phenomenal as an insight and of depth, of learning that is practical. It's not just academic, it's real. So I just, I I want you to give just a huge welcome to Will in this thing that we're doing where we raise up people from our body. So welcome Will Lees.
1: All right, well, wow, I'm hot. Thanks for that, Kurt, I really appreciate it. Um, I don't know if favored son is really the right thing to say. I feel really awkward about that now, but that's all right, we'll just go with it, I guess. Um, Okay, so I want to start off by asking you to something that's really difficult, okay? Are you ready for this? I want you to think back to what you had for breakfast three days ago. See, I like hearing the O's because I have no idea what I had breakfast three days ago. Actually, I don't eat breakfast. So lunch, still no idea. So now I'm going to ask you to do something impossible. Think back to the beginning of this year and what Kurt was preaching on at the beginning of this year. Jesus. <laughs> Amen Zach Rogers. <laughs> he oh there it is is your life interesting and actually a few people have brought that up in the last few weeks actually just remembering back to that that question is life interesting and uh, at that time I was like yeah my life's interesting maybe a little bit too interesting not what I was really hoping for. Actually I remember uh, Amy Iwasaki asked me at one point because I had a lot going on in my life. She said okay well I want you before you commit to doing anything else I want you to take like a time chart of everything that is happening in your life right now. And just map it out Monday to Friday and so I like hey there's a pencil here that's nice So I grab a pencil and I'm like writing in and then I start to add up the hours and consistently I was getting like 26 hours on a daily basis <laughs> I was like that I can't be right So, like take the eraser and try again but it just wasn't there so I was uh, working for UPS full-time doing like a safety compliance kinda job uh, traveling all over the state I was going to school full-time at Northwest and then volunteering here as part of our worship steering team uh, the college group like Kurt talked about uh, leading worship at youth group and it, it didn't make sense, so uh, I just decided that the Lord must be blessing me, and having an interesting life means that you get to have more than 24 hours in the day sometimes. <laughs> um, but that was kind of my story. And so when Kurt was asking, is your life interesting, I knew he wasn't talking, and he clarified for me as well, that it, he wasn't asking the question, is your life too interesting? Are you bogged down? Are you overwhelmed? Are things not going the way that you expected? What he was asking is, is your life exceeding expectations? Is it everything that you hoped and dreamed that it would be? Is it more than that? Is it both what you expected in terms of your relationship with other people and your relationship with the Lord? Does it get outside of the walls of our church? Does it exceed your expectations when you go and talk with coworkers, classmates? your family, who may or may not believe in the Lord. And so this morning, I want to invite us to remember that time, but also look at it freshly and ask the question if your life is interesting. In January, when he was going through that, it was too interesting. And I just remember being tired all the time and uh, bogged down with where life was. And now maybe it's just because I'm seeing the sun a little more often, (laughs) That I can feel refreshed and having life that really is interesting. At that point, I remember feeling overwhelmed with work. I had I was in between semesters at Northwest, and I um, I had to travel all over Eastern Washington, Northern Idaho, got. Almost got stuck in Snoqualmie Pass coming back because you shouldn't be traveling over the pass at that time of year. Doesn't make any sense. But to do everything I had to do with work and with school, it's what really had to happen. So I'd get back and get ready to go and take classes. And as I was looking at the classes I thought I registered for, none of them were showing up in my schedule. It's like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> So I go to the first week of classes without actually being registered, and the professors were like, hey, buddy, you can't keep just showing up and not be on my attendance. Because I did not realize I had to meet with an advisor first. And so here I am, already having a full-time job, going to school full-time and looking like I wasn't going to get credit for it, and just completely worried that things weren't going to work out. I started to see different places in my life where I felt fragmented. Like I was divided. And I don't know if anyone else feels this way when you get overwhelmed like that. But I suspect some people do. Uh, But there were places in my life that I was satisfied. There were places in my life where I was enjoying everything that I thought God had for me. But it wasn't the whole of my life. It was like I could go over here And go to work, and the part of me that's really analytical enjoyed it thoroughly because I got to look at processes and procedures and look at what's broken and try to repair it and fix it. And so it was a lot of analysis, problem solving, fixing. That part of me was completely satisfied. And then I'd go away over here to school, and the part of me that just enjoys learning and getting a hold of new concepts and grasping on to new things was satisfied. And then I'd come over here to Lake Sam where I was serving and see the people that I was serving alongside of and serving with finding new places of depth and new places of passion in the Lord. And that was satisfying for sure. But the whole of my life, it was like I could be one person over here, one person over here, and a different person right here. And I knew that it wasn't the wholeness of the life God intended for me maybe you feel the same way we all have different reasons that we get to places like that for me though the fragmentation wasn't actually what the problem was the division with myself wasn't the problem that was the evidence that there was another problem for me I think the reason that that was happening is because I don't know when you're in school you start to dream about Uh, where the Lord's taking you. You start planning for what's next, what's ahead. I actually hope that when I'm 60, I am still the same way, like trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. But right now, I'm definitely in that place. And to be completely honest and transparent, I'm a bit afraid of what it is that the Lord might be asking me to do. Maybe you feel the same way or have felt the same way. in counting the cost of figuring out what it would take to follow the Lord with all of my life and with all of my heart, I started looking at the price tag, and it was high. I was asking the question, is where he's taking me where I want to go? What dreams do I have to give up to get there? Is it actually going to be better than the dreams and plans I've made for myself? And so as I went to all these different places, I didn't let the whole of my life be exposed to what God had and what he was doing. And so this morning, what I want to do is talk about a little key that I found that made things different for me. You may be in that same place, and if you are, right on, (laughs) you'll be right with me. But there's all kinds of reasons that we do that in our lives. Maybe you're like me And are thinking about what the future holds. And are wondering if you can trust God with it. Maybe you're asking if you can really trust God with the whole of your life. Because when you do that, so often it means you have to be exposed to other people. And if you've been around humans for any length of time, you know that we aren't always great to each other. And when you ask God to take the whole of your life you have to be exposed to other people maybe even for you it's different than that and you're asking where is it that i can find that place of wholeness maybe i'm not geographically situated properly to experience that whether it's the geography of the city you live in or maybe metaphorically where it is that you are at in life well this wholeness Is life that we're meant to receive from God and receiving is a really interesting concept to me when you receive something it actually doesn't really matter what is being intended to give both whoever is giving and who's receiving have a part in embracing what it is and In that fragmentation, for me, it was like, this is kind of what I felt like it was. If you think of God as like, the life he has for you is out of a faucet or like a waterfall. Uh, He's the source. He's the place that it's coming from. And the water that's coming out is the fullness of the life that he's intending for you to receive. To really receive it, you have to be fully immersed in it, completely saturated. And when I say life, I don't just mean uh, emotional health or mental health or even spiritual health, but physical health too. All of it, all of it together at the same time. Not just one piece, but all of it. And that physical health, just as a kind of sidebar, is a hard one for me to grasp and embrace sometimes because it's the one that I feel like I have the most control over I can do different things to improve my physical health. I can eat better, exercise. But there seems to be times in life where it just doesn't matter. And difficult things strike. And no matter how hard you try to control, you don't have a choice. If there's any one of those areas, whether it's your physical health, your emotional, mental, spiritual, I just want to invite you before we go any further to remember to trust God with that. If you're at the place where you're like, I don't know that that's a safe place for me. Remember that God is good. Remember that he is the place that you can trust and find refuge. And he's the source of life. Okay, so the life that he's pouring out is just if you, like, let's say it's right here. So I would be walking around, and as I was coming from school, I would come to this source of life, and I didn't know which portion to trust in it. So I'd I'd stick my arm in. I'm like, that's good enough. I got some life going. Okay. So then I walk around to the other side, and I'd stick my leg in it, and then here it was really difficult because to not receive the fullness of life God has for you when you're in church, you really have to do some funky things. So I'm like contorting myself and trying to get in just right that I only get what it is that I want to receive from God. So if you're coming from any one of those places where, like maybe I'm dabbling in here, maybe I'm dabbling in here, let's talk today about what it means to, dump, uh, to jump in fully. Uh, To do that, I want to go to an interesting place where I think the Lord answers what it is to have a fullness of life. So, uh, I don't know if anyone else is doing this or if it's just me. I've started to, as I read the word, look at it differently. And I know we all go through phases where different parts of the word seem to mean different things and expand and have more depth and meaning. But uh, for me... I have started seeing God's promises for for his people highlighted. And the way I always read those before was very individualistic. It's like, this is God's promise for me. I receive it. I get it. I'm going to take it on and live in it. But more and more, I'm starting to see that his promises are for us. It's actually not about me, but it's about us collectively as his body. Well, One place I've just decided in my life that I'm going to embrace that is in my devotional times. So for years I've really had a pretty set routine of what I do in my devotionals. I know where I'm going to be reading through, open it up, read what it is I feel like I want to read. But I'm wondering if our experience of God and the things that we're gaining from him is meant to be more than me if it's meant to be for all of us. So one way that I've just decided I can dive into that is by doing what we've uh, been talking about here for weeks, and that's soap. So on on the church website, there's a reading schedule of places that you can go. And uh, for this week, the reading was, uh, it was Psalm 48 through 52, and John 1 through like the first half of John 4. And so... Uh, today, what I want to talk about is one verse I thought I would absolutely never preach on. Being someone that's so individualistic and uh, really wanting to do my own thing and be unique, I never thought that I would ever speak on the most quoted verse in probably all the Bible. Uh, and that's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world... For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And there were two places that this really stood out to me. As I was reading it, there were some huge accents on the words believe and on life. And actually, I just want to—it was really cool this morning in worship— when we were reading the word it was actually one of the places from the soap this week and i don't know if that was intentional or just a really cool thing that happened oh i'm getting a thumbs up it was intentional but when i read it in in my devotional time it meant one thing and when i just heard it as we were worshiping god it like felt something different and meant something different to me and it was just cool so i just want to say that thank you guys for that so uh i want to talk about those two accents what it means to believe and what this life he has for us is. I'm thinking that uh, the word believe here actually means something different, maybe deeper than what it is, I think of believing. Someone recently came to me, and it's someone that's uh, very close to me, um, isn't following the Lord with all their life. And we were talking about belief. And, you know, I didn't really mean to do this, but. I felt like I kind of marginalized this person, at least the way that they were hearing it. Because they said to me, well, I, I believe in God too. I'm just not serving him with everything. I'm not serving him with my life. And when they said that to me, I was like, I don't know that we define believe the same way. Just to believe that God exists isn't enough. To inherit this promise that jesus has for us in eternal life i think that believing goes different in some of the other gospels it says it this way Uh, a pharisee came up to jesus and asked him well what's the greatest commandment and he said the first and greatest commandment is this that you'll love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your strength the word believing to me that's what it actually means in a The place that this comes from that Jesus is quoting is in Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 6.5. He says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. It's not enough just to believe that he exists. What believing, I think, really means is to love him with everything It's a challenge to do sometimes. Not because of who he is, but because of who we are. So we need reminders. In the Old Testament prophets, they had a similar kind of language to this too. They would often encourage the people to remember the Lord. Well, how could you forget him? I think it's really the same thing. Remembering him means to remember to love him and trust him with everything. It means to not forget that he exists but remember that wherever you are that he has everything in your life and uh, the verse in Deuteronomy goes on to give us a beautiful way to remember you must wholeheartedly commit yourselves uh, to these commands I'm giving you today repeat them again and again to your children Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them as reminders uh, on, on your forehead as reminders. What if it was that we not only remembered to acknowledge him and know that he's there, but reminded ourselves wherever we are, whether we're sitting down in our house whether we're walking on the road, whether we're going to sleep or rising, reminded ourselves to love Him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and with all of our strength. It's a challenge to do, but to remember and to be reminded means more than to acknowledge Him. It means to embrace all that He is and live the way that he would have us live it's so different if you're living uh just the way that you want to live and remembering god's there versus remembering who he is and living in the fullness of it it's the difference between walking to one side of this waterfall and leaning into it and just standing in the middle of it and let the lord's life crash down on us saturate us To have the fullness of the exciting life that he promises us to really believe in this way to me means to be living according to his ways not just to believe that he's out there but to believe that he's right here in this moment I think the answer to all of our questions of why our life feels divided, fragmented, uh, or even feels like we have to shut off walls to not get as wet. (laughs) The answer to it is a simple one. All these different questions that we may have for God, he always answers in one simple way that seems to be one size fits all. One size fits all as he speaks to our hearts. Maybe not functionally in terms of what we need to do next, but in terms of who we're meant to be. For all those places, he says, I am. I am right there with you in the middle of your fears. I am the answer to them. I am your place of refuge and wholeness in the middle of your divisions. I am always with you. I am always for you. To believe means to dive in to the fullness of the life that he has for us. So let's go on to this next accent, which is life. This life that he has for us in terms of uh, eternal life, I don't think that it's only quantitative. It's just more of the same. This is how we're living, and it's going to extend forever. <laughs> that would not be that awesome. Uh, that doesn't sound like that good of a promise even. Uh, okay, so I'm never going to die, but life's going to be like uh, difficult, <laughs> and there's going to be challenges. Those things will still be there, but the life that he has for us is... An exciting life. It's not just quantitative, it's not just the length of time, but it's qualitative too. Life has a different quality to it, and that's the life that Jesus promises for us as we believe in him. So uh, later in John, Jesus says it this way: the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose, and this is the quality of the eternal life he has for us my purpose is to give them give us a rich and satisfying life a life that is exciting a life that's not fragmented it's not divided that is us made whole I want to be made whole (laughs) so how is it that we get there well I think that the first place and first way is to remember where it is that we're meant to live. As God creates, He uh, actually not only speaks things into existence, but shows us where it's meant to live. For in Genesis 1, uh, God says, Let the land sprout forth vegetation. So plants are meant to live in the land. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. And God said, let the earth produce every sort of a- animal. The place that he's meant that being that, uh, that thing, really, just to uh, live, he's created an environment for it to be satisfied in. Fish, he gives them the environment. He says, go into the waters. And that's where they have life. For plant life, into the soil. For the beasts of the field, he puts them into the, onto the land. For the birds of the air, he puts them into the sky. So where is it that God has created us to live? If you think about just human life versus any other sort of life, we're the only real species on this earth that doesn't have a natural habitat. So, we do all kinds of things. We can uh, step back from ourselves and reflect on who we are and where we are. We build houses, skyscrapers, places that we can habitate. So, the place that God has for us to live, this must not actually be our home. This must not actually be the place that we're meant to live forever. So, where does God in Genesis speak us to live? Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Let us, the place that God created us to live was inside of himself. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The place that we're meant to live is in the middle of that source of life that he's pouring out to us. There's no other place here that we can be satisfied. No other natural environment for us to live in. So what happens when you take something out of its natural environment? If you take a plant out of the soil and uproot it, you don't have to do anything to kill it. Like John says, like Jesus says to us in, in John records, that if we don't believe in God, we'll perish. If we're taken out of our natural environment, there's nothing that you have to do to take away life if you take a plant out of the soil you don't have to do anything to kill it it will die naturally if you take a fish out of water it will die naturally if you try to put a animal up in the sky and it doesn't have wings it will die naturally (laughs) there's nothing else that you have to do for us it's the same to experience the wholeness and the fullness of the life that he has for us, we cannot do it outside of him. If he's the natural environment and we're taken outside of it, it's not punishment that we die when we're outside of God. We don't have another source of the life we were created for. He doesn't only create us with a natural environment a natural place to live, but he creates us with an intended function. In our intended function, he spells it out right there for us. Our intended function is to be in his image, to be in his likeness. When I think about what it means to be in his likeness, uh, usually the place that I've gone in the past is different character traits of God, like all the adjectives that define him. So to be in his image means to be loving, because God's loving, and if I'm going to be in his image, And I have to be loving. It means to be peaceful, merciful, kind. Uh, You may even think of the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering. God puts up with us for a long time. And so it's supposed to be the same with us. So I would do my best to mimic those traits. So to be loving... uh, I would try to remind myself to have like a warm fuzzy feeling for everyone and that's what loving was. To be peaceful, it meant to cease from hostility, not to fight or quarrel with other people, but just to be, just emptied myself of everything. To get rid of some of my natural tendencies even to be selfish and try to take what's mine from other people at their expense. I thought about all those traits and for some reason as I tried to do that I still felt fragmented I still felt divided because the wholeness of our life isn't only what's internal or yeah it's not just what's inside of us but it's what comes out of us in the very beginning how does God self-define who he is in the very beginning He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this word creative, created, just jumped out in bold to me. What does it mean to be in his image? I think it not only means to do those things or to try to mimic his characteristics, but to live in the world function, put my hands to things, mold, shape and create as he creates. You may think of yourself as a creative type. I actually don't think of myself as a creative type at all. I think of myself as very ordinary and bland. Maybe it's because I've misdefined creativity. When I think of creativity... Now, what I actually think of is this. Uh, I actually couldn't find what it was I was looking for. I was looking for this picture that my niece made for me when she was maybe three or four years old. She just like drew two circles on a piece of paper and handed it to me. She's like, Will, this is you, and you're happy. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at it like, um, I see that. That is very good. Very clever. I like that. I like what you did there. Well, in the same way, I think God looks at our creativity and he could say the same thing of our scribbles and doodles. But it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to create. When I create now, what I'm finding about myself is that The places that my creativity needs to function is when I look at my friends here and you're going through something difficult and coming alongside and speaking something that God's put in my heart for you. For you, it may be different. Even for me at work, it looks completely different. My creativity has to function in a completely different way. But just as God created us to be in his image, which even means to create and put our hands to things in the same way we're supposed to live. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if you're going to be one whole person, not fragmented, not divided, that you can create and just stick part of yourself in? I don't think that you can. As I've started to create as he creates, it's taken me jumping out and diving into everything that he is. And I found wholeness and completion, uh, exciting life in those places. He actually takes it one step farther. The way that God creates, uh, he says that the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The place where it was, where God created from, was formless and void. So many days when I go to work, I walk in, I'm like, man, this place is formless and void. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you feel the same way when you go to school. Maybe you feel the same way when you're uh, even at dinner with a friend what if it was that in the middle of those places is the place that we're meant to be the most creative? Over this formless and void chaos and mess, the spirit is hovering. The spirit is hovering over what's formless and void, shaping it, creating meaning, giving it reason to even be there. Those are the places where, as we enter into what's chaotic, formless, messy, and void that we're meant to create. If you are feeling like, that's not for me, I just want to give you a reminder of who God says that we are. He says that we are God's masterpiece, We're not a scribble on a page. We're a priceless piece of art that he's created. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us. Just like God created us at the beginning and everything was good, even though in the garden we made mistakes and walked away, we have a new first day of creation. (laughs) He's created us new. So in six days that God made everything good and on on the seventh day he rested, we have a start to a new week. He's created us new for that very reason. For you, I want you to ask yourself the question of where you're meant to be creative. What does creativity look like for you? If you're a a computer programmer, your creativity may manifest itself in very different ways than it does me. For you, maybe finding the most efficient, simple, and even beautiful answer to the problem is a place where you create. If you're a parent, I don't know if there's any simple answers to that one. <laughs> but your creativity, in many ways, is, is in raising your child in the way that they should go. Finding the places where they're a formless and void mess. Still am. <laughs> still guilty. And speaking life that will correct discipline and help your child not only hear your voice and obey, but hear the Lord's. Your creativity as a son or daughter may simply be being obedient and honoring your parents. Your place of creativity in your workplace is being salt and light. In whatever way, manifests who you are but images the source outside of being who god's created us to be we actually don't image him if you feel like you have to be someone else to image him you're wrong (laughs) you are the person that he created to image him we are the people that he created us to image him so what would it look like as a community if we were to image him not as just an individual that too but in addition to it as a whole as a whole body i actually don't think that it's very difficult you can look to the person on your left or the person on your right and ask what it is that they have a need of in their life. You can ask God what it is that they have a need of in their life and be the creative solution to it. This is what I think it would look like if we as his body were to image him. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. If it was that we were meant to create, to be the wholeness of ourselves, to believe him and not only believe that he's there, but live accordingly to the way that he's created us and serve one another and give it away. I think that these gifts, as we love each other and serve one another, would naturally come out because he's created us. To be centered in him, but to image him. And there's something about us giving our lives away to one another that images him in a way that no one of us could just by living as ourselves. The places in your life that are formless and void, the places that you walk to on a daily basis that make you say, I want to be fragmented. I don't want to have to be whole and dive into this. What if those are the very formless and void places that God is asking you to create in? Just like the Spirit hovered over what was formless and void and created and shaped it, it's the very same Spirit that works through us. The very same Spirit that wants to form, shape, and create in our lives with one another around us and our lives outside of the community of the church to shape and create and find meaning. So I want to invite you to do something today and this week. Whatever's happened in the past, forget it. <laughs> you can't change it. But right now, you have an opportunity to be that for someone else, you have an opportunity to commit to be that person for someone else. So on a on the sermon notes on your on your bulletin, there's a place to write uh, opportunity, and I think I say things in a very different way that some other people do. So you don't have to copy it down exactly, but ask the Lord what it is that you're meant to create in. And commit that when you feel frustrated with your life being divided, to ask the Lord how you can image Him. To act accordingly to how He wants you to act. To behave as He would in the same situation. To image Him so people would see who God is through how you live. To form and shape, to give meaning to what is void. And uh, I love that we have this in our, in our bulletins, this last plug, um, that we'll pray for someone else to come to Jesus. Because if this life is only for us, we don't get to experience the fullness of the image that he's created us collectively to be. I find that a lot of times my frustrations are in those places where um, someone hasn't come to know him yet and I'm finding difficulty in that relationship and we just don't connect. Pray for that person to find the fullness that God has for them. So Lord, we just thank you that you're a God who creates us with a place to live (laughs) inside of you. Lord, I thank you that you allow us to doodle on a page and you call it art. Lord, help us this week to be your masterpiece. Lord, help us to remember that when our life is difficult and fragmented and we're frustrated with it, to embrace you, to dive in fully And to be that for someone else. Lord, and where we're feeling broken, even right now, we say that we believe. And Lord, we ask you to help in the places of our unbelief. Lord, I just ask on our behalf that we would image you well, we'd be whole and complete. In the workmanship that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you. Will. Thank you, Will. When when we were working through this sermon together, and he was giving it to me and so on, uh, there was a moment in it where I saw that that you know, believe, be living, be living the way that God has you living, and so on. And and I, I said something, and then I just did a little exp- I just a little thing I said, not to get into works or anything like that. And I could tell he didn't pick up on it. So later on in the conversation, I circled back to that. And I asked him what was going on. And he said the most extraordinary thing. He said, I think we're past Martin Luther. Now, that doesn't mean you get past his theology. But think about it. When, when we think about a works mentality, we're coming from a Pharisaical age. We're coming from Paul, who was a Pharisee, whose entire life was about obedience. We're talking about a culture that, that, that whose holiness would would would, they would be so shocked to see how a Christian lives, they'd be appalled to see how Christians live, the, the in on this level and not on that level. And and what I what he was saying when he said that was, and I, it just struck me as such a great insight, and, and what he was getting after here, which is we're past Luther in the sense that to tell people not to get into works is not really the message that the modern church needs to hear. The message that the modern church needs to hear is that you'll know them by their fruit. Because that's exactly what we're not finding. Right? And I don't mean ever. But this idea of be living, to believe means to be living in accordance with what God wants.